What's up guys, this is Justin from the Welcome to Your Doom Show. This is a side quest entry and I'll let Uthel tell you all about it. A note about scheduling, we came out with an episode about the James gun firing last Monday, so technically we would be getting your next episode next Friday, but we thought because it's going to be a little longer than two weeks because it was released early on Monday, we thought we'd tide you over with a little side quest entry. So hope you enjoy it, there's going to be more of these to come. We have written entries on the website as well, so be sure to check those out. And over to you Uthel. Hello fellow Doomers, this is Uthel, the better looking half of the Welcome to Your Doom show, here to do my first side quest. What is a side quest? That's a pretty good question, uh, we haven't really told anybody what they are yet. Um, a side quest is a way for us to do small reviews or editorials of things that Justin and I find interesting and want to talk about but did not want to spend an entire episode on. Uh, Justin's already dabbled in this format uh, by writing a few great articles on the site. Uh, for myself, I wanted to spend some time doing sub-10-minute reviews of things I'm reading, playing, or watching uh, that are a bit off the beaten path that uh, you know Justin hasn't read, so um, it's an easy way for me to get that content out there. Um, the first entry, I'll be reviewing a novel called Nosferatu, spelled N-0-S-4-A-2, written by the spawn of Stephen King himself, Mr. Joe Hill. For folks who have been keeping up with the show, you'll probably recognize the name, as this is the fine gent who wrote the incredible, spectacular Lock and Key series which we Harbingers loved so much. The novel itself was published in 2013 and is the story of a woman named Victoria McQueen who discovers as she grows up that she has a secret gift for finding things, uh, things that she's misplaced or that her parents have lost simply by thinking about them and riding a bicycle that she got and a bridge that she was very familiar with and told about extensively during her childhood would appear and as she crosses that bridge on this bike that means a lot to her and has a emotional um that she has an emotional connection with as she rides across the bridge she discovers that she ends up in the location of the thing that she is looking for it's a very it's a very odd concept um and at the same time there is a man named Charles Talent Manx. He is the villain of the piece, and he also has a similar ability to uh, create these thought places, this, the, the land of thought, and able to manipulate it through a vehicle of his own. But his vehicle is a Rolls-Royce Wraith, and he abducts children. And I don't want to get into too much more on the synopsis than that, other than the fact that there are more people who have this gift. But the story is primarily around Victoria McQueen and her and uh, and her and Charles Manx sort of on this collision course. If that synopsis sounded wildly off the beaten path for a book titled Nosferatu, even though that is written in a license plate uh, alphanumeric style. Uh, then we're basically on the same page. Uh, I did not read the synopsis of this book before diving in. 
uh, it did lead me to be very surprised at the content of the story. Uh, because, man, this this plot is way out there. It took me completely by surprise to the point of, like, complete incomprehension when uh, Victoria's powers manifest. The description of the covered bridge and its eventual purpose, like leading her to the destination of the thing she is searching for, uh, left me sort of initially perplexed, kind of scratching my head. Um, after wrapping my brain around that and accepting the fact that this story has some sort of like batshit crazy ideas, uh, I started to roll with it a little bit more and found myself enjoying the ride by the end of the book. I can see some folks being turned off, but uh, by what the author is attempting to do. Uh, it's kind of essentially uh, using vampirism as almost like a thematic parallel um, rather than actually featuring any cla classic vampirism. Although there is some classic creepy child monster action there, um, lest the title of the book sort of set up the fact that there's going to be some classic vampires in this, there are not. And I don't think that's really that much of a spoiler. There's also uh, plenty of references to uh, sexual assault, which I think can be off-putting for some people. Um, it can trigger some folks. Uh, while finding some, like, I actually found some of that stuff a little cringeworthy. It is tough to read sometimes. And, I mean, it is, and this isn't the only book that does that, of course. But, um, again, I, I didn't read the synopsis, so I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, I do not believe it was mindlessly thrown in there. It serves a purpose to the plot. And mapping out, uh, helping sort of map out the truly deranged and highly suggestive nature of at least one of the characters in the story. So it does sort of serve that purpose and set and set that character up. I really did find myself enjoying some of the themes of the story around the idea that the world of thought can become tangible. tangible. Uh, he does some creative things with the notion of the land of thought, creating interesting set pieces and unique visuals for the reader. The fixation on vehicles is also something I actually kind of enjoyed. He directly manifests that, that bond that can form between a person and their set of wheels. Any set of wheels, because Victoria starts off with the bicycle. Uh, Charles Manx, the villain of the story, is driving a Rolls-Royce Wraith. Uh, and the, you know, there's 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 more to it, and I didn't, I don't I don't want to ruin the story, but there you know there's more to that, and they really do flesh that those those relationships out. It also makes me want to eventually own a Rolls Royce Wraith, because that is just a badass name for a car. It totally is. The villain, Mr. Manx or Charles Manx, has a has the right combination of menace and drive to be an interesting villain. I think uh, his motivations and eventual goals are fleshed out just enough to keep the reader guessing. Uh, Joe Hill has a, has a couple of references in the book uh, that I caught at least just from uh, listening to it for the first time uh, to his father's work as well as his own. Um, there are things like Lovecraft, Massachusetts is, is referenced in the story, and that's, that's a direct, that's the actual place in Massachusetts, uh, the fictitious place in Massachusetts that the, the lock and key story takes place in. Um, there's a mentioning of the clearing at the end of the path, I believe, which is in Midworld, which are both references to uh, his dad's The Dark Tower saga, and uh, actually uh, also a reference to Pennywise's Circus, which, of course, is a reference to his dad's uh, story, It. Hill also references uh, the roads, like the actual physical roads in, in his story, as as the blacktop, um, which, I, which I've never heard 
actually heard before. It it really stuck out in my mind and seemed to add something to the story. I'm not sure I can actually explain what it added, but there was something about calling it the blacktop that was really kind of interesting. The story was... I, I listened to this as an audiobook, uh, and the story was read by um, a narrator named Kate Mulgrew. Uh, I actually was not a fan of the story, nor the reader, uh, toward the beginning, um, for the first few hours, actually. But as the ideas of the book sank in with me, uh, so did her interpretations of the characters' voices. Like, Like the story itself, by the end, I found myself sort of unable to imagine the characters sounding any different. There's a gravel uh, to her voice that gave Charlie Manx a great edge, and this like childlike goofiness that made her rendition of Manx's assistant both sympathetic and utterly grotesque at the same time. And I think that's a real that's a real show of of how talented uh, Kate Mulgrew actually is. So how did how did I listen to this book? I, well. I'm glad you asked. Um, I got this book from the Toronto Public Library for free. It's amazing, right? I know. Likely, uh, wherever you are listening or watching from, your city has a digital library system that you can take advantage of. Well, I hope so. If you don't know, you should uh, take take a look. Uh, for Toronto, there's an application called Libby that uh, the Toronto Public Library has integrated with. And uh, it allows you to easily borrow ebooks and audiobooks right from your phone. So that's how I listened to this, and it was wonderful, and it was free, and the application is really great, really stable, a lot of functions to listen to it fast or slow or seek through. It remembers exactly where you were, all that wonderful stuff. So what are you guys waiting for, man? Get on that Toronto Public Library bandwagon. And, and that's it for, for the review this time around. Keep it short and sweet. I'd like to do that for most of them. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, there'll be some more in this line of, of side quests. Uh, until then, take it easy, gents and ladies and everyone else who might be listening. Dogs, cats, sloths. <laughs> <laughs>